Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's taking a cue from the Dragon Quest series and reinventing itself for a modern audience. I'm your named main protagonist, David Lloyd, and no, the Thirsty Mage is not switching over to a mature theme, but we are entering into a new era at the pub. As we mentioned a few episodes ago, Apple is introducing subscription-based podcast networks through the podcast app, and we here at the pub took that as a sign that it's time for us to start adding some new content on top of our RPG coverage. But before outlining how the coverage will be expanding, let me first say hello to my blue-haired partner in crime, Jordan Rudick. And I'll tell you one thing, one other thing we're not going to do. We're not going to be doing live translating of a, a stream in Japanese ever because that is <laughs> yeah. that is atrocious. Oh my goodness. That was that was distracting, I have yeah. to say. Like I am almost I almost wish they had turned off the audio, like the Japanese audio maybe if they just wanted like if they wanted to do the translation on the fly, then maybe just have the translation be the only thing we hear? I don't know. Or just to just just do subtitles Subtitle? for the whole thing, right? Yeah. I think the subtitles when they were actually uh, did the little snippets after the trailers with the developers or the creators of the games, and they just subtitles. That was fine. Like that's that's. I think it's kind of what you expect. But uh, live translating does not work. Like if it's if if it's pre-recorded <laughs> and you you know you you finesse it and you polish it and then it's good. But I, I felt I felt bad for the the two the two girls that were doing the the, the translating. It was just that 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 has to be one of the most taxing things in the world. So I I, I, I certainly you know I, I applaud them for the effort, but it just doesn't it doesn't work. It's not entertaining. And um, if you want to advertise it as like a a global simulcast kind of thing, like find a different way to to make it happen. Yeah, I think I would have probably would have preferred pre-recording with subtitles. Yeah, uh, it's probably the preferred way, but. Yeah, I got to hand it to the translators. They they did their best with what they had. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, this week's episode is going to be a bit of a short one, uh, uh, an intermission that we're calling it before the launch of the new channel and things get back to normal on the main feed. But we just wanted to let everyone know how things are going to be working going forward. So the existing Thirsty Mage feed that you're listening to right now will continue as always uh, starting next week. So it's it's back to uh, it's back to the basics. It's the same great RPG content that you're used to whether we're covering topics or non-spoiler coverage of both new and retro games. and uh, But what we're doing is we're just adding content on top of this. So we don't know the exact date as of this recording because Apple is uh, secretive with all their stuff. So we're just kind of waiting for it's supposed to be this week. But once Apple does launch the subscriptions, a new channel that's called Journey of the Hero is going to be launched as a subscription based and it's going to have access to two shows. So the first is a premium version of the Thirsty Mage, and what I mean when I say premium is that you'll get the episode a week earlier than the free feed, as in this feed, and it will also be free of ads. The second show that will be launching at the same time, uh, it's called Abend Time, so the Legend of Hero fans are going to recognize the inspiration for that title. But it basically features the same folks that you hear on the Thirsty Mage, but the content will span across the entire video game industry. So episodes uh, could include, well... The, the episodes that we have available already in the channel, when it, that, that'll be available on launch, will be, uh, we have a top five list of the games we wish we would get a remake. We have a look back at the retro games that we grew up with and how they affected our choices today. We have a look at the past trends in the gaming industry and what trends we can expect in the future. And we even have an episode where we crown the official seven wonders of the video game world. 
So future episodes in up in time will vary, and it'll likely include spoiler casts on games like Persona 4 Golden, SMT3, Nocturne. Uh, we'll probably have a lot of top five lists with number over a number of different topics, and it's basically anything that we come across that we think listeners would enjoy uh, knowing about. So both of these shows will be available through the main channel, which is uh, $2 a month, through directly through the Apple Podcast app. And for the non-Apple users out there, don't worry, the Patreon is still available, and it'll include both of those shows, and it'll even have additional benefits on top of uh, access to those shows as well. And it's all for the same price, so technically the best deal is still through Patreon, but we know that not everyone uh, either wants to use Patreon or can use Patreon, so... This Apple subscription podcast just gives us a, another avenue to be able to give information or give a new podcast to. So you have a choice of either one. So same price for both, but Patreon obviously will have some additional benefits uh, on top of the shows. But for more information on how the Apple subscription will work uh, or how the po- Patreon works, please come join us for a conversation on Discord. The link is going to be in the notes, episode notes for, for that. Uh, or you can even just email me directly at david at thethirstymage.com. But uh, now that all the business stuff is taken care of, it wouldn't be a a Thirsty Mage episode with the last call. So we'll be talking about the 35th anniversary of the, which is the Dragon Quest stream that was on last night. And we'll be talking about that right after this break. back and yeah we're gonna finish up this week's episode with a last call and uh, i don't know who stayed up late uh, i know jordan and i both stayed up late to catch I, I caught part of it i didn't catch all of it but uh i i did get uh, to see some of the stream and i got to read up on a some of the information this morning and so jordan and i are just going to discuss what our thoughts are on the future of the dragon quest franchise yeah, you so really Jordan, you really only needed to catch the uh, the last half of the the event, anyways. <laughs> yeah. the, the first half was a mobile game, and then two Dragon Quest Ten things. Uh, one of one of which is just you know <laughs> the funny announcement that Dragon Quest Ten is still not coming to the West. That they had a little um, snippet over the subtitles for that one, um, and then Dragon Quest Ten Offline, which may be coming to the West, but they didn't they didn't confirm either way if that's going to happen, which was. It's just you know it's just kind of disappointing. Like if you're if you if you you know advertise this event to everybody, like at least tell people like what's going on. Like you know you know that there are a lot of people in the West that like Dragon Quest and are tuning in. So to not say on top of every trailer this game's coming or not, like I just don't I don't understand what the purpose of of that is. So I get it. You know your Japanese fans are eating this up for sure. Um, but yeah, that was a little frustrating. But I don't know. I don't know, what do you think about the Dragon Quest X stuff, David, if you were paying attention to that or you saw the, the trailers or whatever? Uh, I, I mean, I saw that there was going to be a Dragon Quest offline, which I, I hope they come up with a better name for <laughs> going yeah. forward. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I know I'm, like, I'm, uh, I know Dragon Quest X was an MMO, and I, I don't know exactly what that's going to entail when they do an offline version. Like, mm. it's one of these things, it's like, I'm sitting here. The, the only thing I could compare it to is like Final Fantasy 14, and I'm thinking like, how would you ever make that offline? Like it, yeah. it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the experience to begin with. So I don't don't know if that's something that will necessarily uh, entice me to pick up if it does end mm-hmm. up finding its way to the West some point. But uh, I guess 
obviously there's a lot of fans out there that are kind of resistant to MMOs and I, I kind of get that, but, um, I don't know to me, I like, I, I would prefer that they would just kind of focus on the future and, and not worry about that. But if, if it's not really taking resources from anything, then I know. I mean, sure, I, I guess <laughs> I got the sense that like, you know, Dranquist 10 offline is like here, we've got all these Dranquist like storylines and bosses and characters, excuse me, characters and stuff like that. Like, it's kind of a waste to just have it online and then just have it in Japan. So maybe there it's about taking like those assets, those uh, you know things that have already been created and making them available to everybody. So I, I, I'd be surprised if that didn't come to the West, you know, maybe a little bit later than Japan. It might not be a worldwide release of the Dragon Quest X online game, whatever it ends up being called, but I, I'd be surprised if it didn't come everywhere. Um, I don't know if it'll have multiplayer. It, it looks like a different, it's definitely a different graphical style, maybe a different combat style as well. Um, certainly not, you know, certainly what you think about, we think about Dragon Age, or Dragon Age, Dragon Quest, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I see that coming out. Um, the, the first game they announced during the stream was a, a puzzle game. It looks cute. You know, it's, it's a mobile puzzle game. Like it's, it's kind of exactly yeah. what you expect <laughs> from a mobile puzzle game. So the, maybe the, the less on this podcast said the better, uh, but yeah. the, the last three announcements were pretty big. Um, one of which I don't think any of us saw coming. Uh, and that was uh, Dragon Quest Three H- uh, HD 2D. Uh, so kind of a remake of Dragon Quest Three using the Octopath style uh, graphics. Although the battle system looks different, it's more of a Golden Sun kind of um, uh, almost an isometric behind the shoulder angle, which I love. I think I think it's a lot of style to that. I think that's really cool. So um, what mm-hmm. what did you think of that part of the the, the stream, Dave? What did you think of that Dragon Quest Three announcement? Well, I was definitely excited. I know, like the the the, the first three, I believe Dragon Quest One Three came. I don't know if you have to buy them separately or if you buy them as a package, but I know they are available on the Switch. Yeah, they're se- they're, they're separate. They're separate uh, releases, but they're they've got oh, those. They, ug- they yeah, got those they're ugly. The mobile. <laughs> yeah, the ugly mobile <laughs> the, graphics are horrible. Yeah, so I had really no interest in picking those those three up, mm-hmm. even though I do have interest in the game itself. But yeah, very excited to learn that they did the uh, that graphical style because it's it's one of the things I enjoyed about Octopath is that I think it looks beautiful and I it's definitely a style that that's worth expanding in the back catalog. Like I hope that's this is something that's kind of g- going to lead to a bunch of different Square Enix uh, franchises or or just something that they embrace in general. It seems to seems to be that way with Octopath and then Dragon Strategy all kind of looking in the in, in that kind of viewpoint and then uh, i don't know if it was scripted or not but they they did um uh yuji hori did let it slip that they were looking to do dragon quest one and two in the same in the same vein like that Mm, that's their goal is to to make um the the 2d or the hd 2d or 2d hd whichever way it was um they were they were looking to apply that to one and two although they he kind of uh alluded to that maybe they weren't they wouldn't be straight ports of the first two that they they would mm. kind of play around with them a bit which is uh, uh nothing wrong with that i guess it, i could see those being released as part of a package like if you think about the game boy color what they did was the game boy color they did they packaged Dragon Quest one and two on one cartridge and then Dragon Quest three had its own cart so i could see them doing something like that with the hd 2d style um one and well obviously Dragon Quest one is a very short game two is a little bit longer but three is the meatiest of the, of those three first titles and they do form a trilogy so it would make sense to make them all kind of bring them all to that modern that modern style 
Um, it's funny their their fascination with the first three games, though. Like you don't get a lot of re-releases of four four through nine. It's really just you know one, two, and three that seem to be put everywhere. Uh, I'm sure there's mobile versions of those and the Switch versions. Uh, like I said, the Game Boy Color remakes for those games, and now uh, these HD 2D versions. But um, yeah, I think I think that style looks so great. Um, and, and you know, we're talking about Square Enix, a company we talk about all the time, and they're notorious. I suppose might be a word for it for remaking and and doing doing more with certain with a certain mechanic or style, right? You think about Final Fantasy 13 got three parts, Final Fantasy 10 got two parts, 12 got 12, and then the Zodiac Age version, um, 15, you know, 15 plus all the DLC in the Pocket Edition. They're not. They're not stranger. They're not. They don't shy away from taking a game and doing something different with that same game. So I think that's why we're we're seeing these kind of HD two D remakes of the maybe the older games. They're so familiar with those, and th- th- those are probably some of the biggest selling games in in Japan, like those original three Dragon Quest games. So uh, yeah, I, I'm thrilled about this. I did review Dragon Quest three on Switch. Um, it's a great game. It's huge actually. There's tons of stuff. You customize your party, which is really cool. The different job classes. Um, and it's a really big world. Uh, with a lot of the you know familiar Dragon Quest tropes uh, strewn about, um, different ways to travel around the world as well. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to going back to it. Um, but uh, yeah, that that wasn't the that wasn't the only uh, big announcement, at least for for people in the West. What about uh, for what, I guess the second one was Dragon Quest Treasures, David? Is that right? Yeah. So it was hard to tell. I'm assuming that was a Switch game, though. It kind of looked like a mobile game at first i was kind of yeah, like they didn't they didn't co- announce the platforms at any point i think they said those are 2bd yeah. so well and it even looked uh, at first i was curious if that was going to be like a dragon quest builders 3 because mm. I, I i know a lot of people were looking forward to that and yeah, we, me too. i don't think we heard anything about it but that that's kind of where i was going with that and then and then all of a sudden there it, there was this focus on treasure chests and i was like okay this is clearly not builders 3 mm-hmm. like what is this and so it would be interesting to get more information about uh, going forward about that one. Yeah, I heard I heard some chatter on social media about that possibly being um, a Dragon Quest Monsters game that they had been working on a few years ago. But I get, but I guess that is not the case, or it maybe they pivoted or changed. But there, it sounds I think Corey said during the stream that, the, or maybe after that, there is still a, Mo- a Dragon Quest Monsters game in the works or in the planning stages or something. But this is this is totally different. Um, I, I think it's neat, you know, that they're they're doing another spinoff uh, that is not necessarily the typical Dragon Quest form um, that worked really well for, for builders, for heroes, the uh, kind of the Muso style sort of game. That I don't think that worked as well. I played a little bit; it, it was kind of kind of dry. Um, but yeah, if if it can be anything like build the the way that builders took the Dragon Quest themes and and applied them to a different genre, like I, I'm down for it. Uh, I don't know about the whole treasure chest seeking thing, but it's cool to see uh, two characters from Dragon Quest XI and see like younger versions of them, and maybe there'll be some lore or some story elements tied into uh, how they grew up and how they co- how that connects to um, what happens to them in the in Dragon Quest XI. Yeah, I'm curious if it'll end up being closer to like a mystery dungeon style gameplay or something. Mm-hmm. Like if if there if there's like they're trying to make a modern version of that or. Th- something to that effect that like, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, th- I thought for sure like it's screaming co-op to me like you've got the two characters it's kind of an action yeah, rpg right, right. style you're collecting treasure maybe going into dungeons like that that seems to me you know here's what i thought and this is a, a horrible comparison but i i thought final fantasy crystal chronicles when i first saw it that style like oh, the drop yeah. in drop in <laughs> drop in drop out multiplayer where you're going into like little dungeons and doing like a a, a small quest or something like that god i i hope yeah. it i hope it's better than that I, game but uh we can't get yeah. to see. i hope they fix the multiplayer anyway if the if that is the 
the, well, that's the funny part is that I, the, the idea of it is still exciting. Yes. It's just whether they can actually provide you with the experience, like the, the setup, the way that the Crystal Chronicles works for connecting and playing in co-op yeah. was just horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially on the switch. So if, if they've, manage to fix that in a cohesive way that makes mm-hmm. it easy to to connect then then i would be excited but yeah it certainly yeah, can't be we'll as, it can't be as bad as that and i, I guess this would be the first one of the first Quest games with multiplayer uh if it does if it does come to the west uh which, which i would anticipate so yeah that, that's cool you know we'll, we'll see how that goes uh but uh, obviously maybe the biggest announcement for a lot of people and probably the one that a lot of people suspected was going to happen was the uh reveal that dragon quest 12 is coming uh they, they showed us the title card that's all i expected we also got the subtitle uh i think the flames of fate i think it was mm-hmm. um uh, any any thoughts about uh, any initial thoughts about that one david uh It'll be interesting to see what happens with this this whole like uh, kind of pivot or or moving more towards a mature audience. Like I I hope it it doesn't go too far in that mm-hmm. vein because to me like Final Fantasy has always kind of been the the niche for that. So it, Dragon Quest has always been able to kind of be more towards a younger or or just a more positive or inviting atmosphere. I think it is. So mm-hmm. I guess time will tell where we go on that. The announcement that they're moving away from the turn-based combat was kind of shocking to me because I always mm. thought this was like the last vestige of where <laughs> turn-based combat would be. Yeah. So it, the the fact that the, even Dragon Quest is saying like this is we have to move towards a more action-based oriented like I obviously I think it's going to be something similar to Final Fantasy VII remake and mm. in, in the command turn-based style, and so if if to me. It, that's maybe the most significant part of the announcement is that if Dragon Quest is is moving away from turn-based combat, I think this might be the the beginning, the end for like the big budget turn-based games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that would be a big mistake. Actually, I think that it, you're right. It's one of the last vestiges of traditional like turn-based RPGs. I think pivoting to a different combat style would be a mistake, um, even if it's just like the Final Fantasy VII remake style, which is pretty different. Um, you've got all these other Dragon Quest spinoffs that can have action-based combat. You don't need the mainline games to also pivot in that way. And again, if you're Square Enix, like you have so much of your catalog that has already pivoted. Um, whether you know whether you you've gone you know more into the turn-based games with 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 something like Octopath or you know Final Fantasy, which seems to be um, yeah moving more to an action style. And then if seven uh, sorry sixteen, I guess the more I still action style like fifteen, and then seven remake, which is a combination of the two. Like I get the experimentation, but I, I think people expect you know similar things in a Dragon Quest game. I think if those change, it's going to be a problem. Um, I worry that what they're trying to do with Dragon Quest Twelve with the simultaneous global release is to appease the West, uh, who seems to favor yeah. more a, a less of a turn-based style. Um, but yeah, if they alienate their Japanese fans, I think that'll be uh, definitely a sore spot for for the game, and um, I, I think that'd be a shame. Uh, I was going to say one more thing. He mentioned, um, or I don't know if he mentioned or I saw it somewhere, but the idea that. Flames of Fate uh, is hiding something about or a connection to the maturity of the game or the more adult theme that maybe Dragon Quest games are pretty linear, right? Like there's not a lot of like psychos and decision making and things like that. So I hope that when he says more mature or adult themed, it's like you have things you can do to change this world that they adopt some of those conventions from Western role-playing games like Mass Effect, which we're going to talk about uh, soon. Uh, but 
you know, the idea of like you can make a big decision and a part of this game world will change forever. Like I hope that's what he's talking about and not like it's more it's darker, it's grittier, it's actiony, it's you know, there's more maybe sexual or adult themes. Like I, I hope that's not what they're thinking. But again, it's t- it's tough because it's a translated event. You know, we don't know exactly what their intentions are. It sounds like the game is yeah. well, well into development. Uh, they're probably, I don't know what part they're at, but it's not a plan. We're not in the planning stages anymore. Like this game is, it exists. <laughs> no. It is, it is in the process, yeah. but we'll see. Well, the thing that's surprising to me is that I'm pretty sure Dragon Quest Eleven was one of the most, one of the highest grossing sales Dragon Quest. So yeah. I, I'm kind of not understanding the motivation unless they're trying to kind of get ahead of the curve or ahead of the trend. Like maybe they think this was the peak and now it's, it's heading down. I just don't understand where the appeasement of the West necessity comes in because mm-hmm. Western people are buying it. I almost wonder if some of the Dragon Quest Eleven success is partly because there's such a, a, a huge portion of people that still want the turn based. Yeah. So it almost seems like if you kind of just stayed there, like people would come to it because all these other, like even with Legends of Heroes, like they're moving away from the turn-based as well in, in their latest game that's going to be based in Calvert. So you, I don't know if it's, if, if it's one of these things where in Japan you, you have to move with the tide and they're just worried that no one will want to play the turn-based anymore. But it just seems like as more fade away, it's, I would think that, the, the ones that are left behind will be able to kind of pick up the the fan base that, mm-hmm. that want those games. So you would think, and especially with like Octopack Traveler having such a, a, a big fan base as well, like yeah. there's people still want traditional turn-based combat. So I don't, I don't get why they, they keep going away. Like it's that, like you said, I think the only thing is that they might be so concerned about Western audiences mm-hmm. that might be just what's really pushing them towards this this new uh, viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that it the that not that he misspoke, but that you know we're 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 taking the words too far. Like I I hope I hope that it doesn't go as yeah. far as FF Seven Remake. Um, even though I think I'd be fine. That's probably the furthest I've wanted to go. But I I think that it could be something like, you know, there might be prompts in the game like maybe maybe a timed attack and timed defense like a super mario rpg type thing uh or a mario and luigi game um it might still be turn-based but just with some like small wrinkle thrown in that hasn't been in the series before like any change to dragon quest uh the traditional dragon quest gameplay is gonna seem major so if they make a big big combat change it's really gonna re it's gonna reverberate through the fan base and i i think like i said i think it'd be a mistake so We'll just have to wait and see how how much of a change they're willing to make. Um, but you know, we we have seen them go wholesale change. Like you said, you mentioned Legend of Heroes, Dragon Quest. Uh, sorry, um, uh, Yakuza like a dragon. Obviously, you have switched its action style for completely turn based. So they're not <laughs> they're not afraid. The, these big Japanese companies are not afraid to do something completely different, even if their you know loyal fan base doesn't necessarily jive with it or doesn't really it hasn't been asking for it so i don't know i i'm i'm still super excited for these games like don't get me wrong it's just you know now there's a hey we're all talking about it maybe they succeeded right they they've thrown in these (laughs) these wrinkles and now we're all talking about what that could possibly mean and we're going to be talking about it until the games come out or until we see more so they've they've done that kind of mission accomplished part of 
keeping it top of mind for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, content is king. So if the mm-hmm. game ends up coming out and it's great, I, I don't know if people are going to really, whether it's turn-based or a Final Fantasy VII remake turn-based or whatever, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, if the game is good, the game is good. And I think that's what's going to be the most important. So yep, I, I guess time will tell. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll be it for this week's uh, intermission episode. So, like I said, if you are looking to get the latest Thirsty Mage episode right away, the Mass Effect episode is available now through either the Patreon.com or it will be available in the Apple subscriptions. If that's uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, that'll be active so you can be able to get in there. So you'll be able to hear right away um, our episode uh, with Jordan and I on the mass, the first Mass Effect game. And um, but if not, there's if you're sticking around in the free feed, that's uh, no problem whatsoever. You'll be able to get that Mass Effect episode next Sunday. So uh, looking forward um, to uh, the growth and hopefully everyone enjoys uh, the new content. But um, otherwise, uh, we will see you out uh, next week.